0: It's a U.S. Open edition of Honda Classic Live Saturday morning here on ESPN 106.3. And what a bizarre leaderboard, but a leaderboard that also could be packed with big names at the top of it by the end of today. We have gone primetime golf here in the Eastern Time Zone. Torrey Pines, U.S. Open, where Russell Henley and Richard Bland are your leaders at five under par, and we're going to talk about all of it, including what's to come on the weekend here on Honda Classic Live. I am Ken Lavica. This is the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County, and the Treasure Coast, Sean Fairholme uh, of Global Golf Post, is going to be joining us here in about 10 minutes' time. He is... Our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live give us the full breakdown of the U.S. Open, and it has been tough sledding at Tory Pines. It is really, really played difficult, including uh, number eleven, where you have seen 116 bogeys so far this weekend. It has been a really, really fascinating first two days of the U.S. Open. Let's get right into our opening drive, and it's brought to you by Tire Kingdom. It's the Summer Savings Event at Tire Kingdom going on now. Get a MasterCard prepaid card for up to $100. When you buy four select tires and get them installed, save big on all your brands like BF Goodrich, Continental, and more. And it is Super Cooper weekend. Going on now, save up to $100 on select Cooper tires after mail-in rebate. Get them installed for free. Swing by Tire Kingdom or schedule an appointment online today. Use your Tire Kingdom uh, credit card. You'll get a $50 prepaid card on qualifying purchases of $500 or more and hey a reminder brake check if your brakes are squeaking or your stopping distance has gotten longer it's probably time for new brakes you don't want those to fail on you so make an appointment at tire kingdom for a free brake check today going on now save up to 50 dollars after mail-in rebate when you purchase and install napa brakes that is Tire Kingdom, go to tirekingdom.com, schedule an appointment at a local Tire Kingdom location near you, and of course, there is a tire location near you. If you are listening to me on terrestrial radio, there is a Tire Kingdom location right near you, so go to tirekingdom.com and schedule your appointment. All right, so let's check out what's going on at Tory Pines. Russell Henley, Richard Plan, five under par. They'll get going again at 4:35 uh, Eastern Time. Get a little primetime golf here on the weekend. Matthew Wolf, and for me, he's the story of the weekend. He is just one shot back, and Matthew Wolf uh, yesterday uh, really opened up about what's been going on with him over the last two months or so. And Sean Fairholm and I have been. Uh, hypothesizing it, we have been trying to make sense of Matthew Wolf just falling off the face of the earth. From a golf perspective, uh, he has been missing cuts left and right. He has not been playing well. He has been uh, really just sort of a an existence on the tour. Uh, and and every time he would show up this year, you would just expect that he's going to miss the cut. And you wonder what's going on with him. Is he injured? Uh, Is there something else going on? And we found out that, indeed, there was something else going on. And he has been having some significant mental health problems. And uh, the Jupiter resident said that he took some time away from the game here recently because he just didn't like it anymore. He didn't have a passion for it anymore. He woke up and did not feel anything about the game of golf and said that that had not been the case since he was a kid and decided to step away and take care of himself and take a step back. And here he is going into the weekend, one shot back of the lead at the U S open. And it's an important message. And he made sure to say that he's not trying to get attention by talking about his struggles. Um, But him referencing it him uh, making sure that he discusses it that is important so yeah he's 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 not trying to draw attention to himself and he's not a guy and I don't know Matthew Wolf personally um, but he certainly comes off as a guy who is not going to just talk about himself because he's narcissistic um, but he referenced it and it is important to reference that so Matthew Wolf he ends up being for me the feel-good story of the weekend uh, because he he owned up to something, and it made public something that is still taboo to talk about. And he's come out, at least for now, on the the right end of it. So Matthew Wolf is four under, one shot off the lead, and Louis in the Treasure Coast resident, also one shot off the lead. Louis Oosteys, if there's a major... He's going to be in the discussion. He's going to be uh, near the top of the leaderboard. It's just what he does. He doesn't necessarily win majors, but he's always, always, always in the conversation, and Torrey Pines this weekend is no different. John Rahm got out of COVID protocol after having to withdraw very high profile from uh, the Memorial, and he is just two shots off the lead, and you've got to think that when you have names like Henley, Bland, Wolf, and Ush Tyson ahead of him, um, that John Rahm is the favorite going into the weekend. Just two shots off the lead, he can certainly overcome that in a hurry, and he has the best game of anybody that is at the top of the U.S. Open leaderboard. Bubba Watson is in the mix at three under par. And there's Brooks Kepka uh, doing what he does. He gets to majors and he competes. And he is in the discussion each and every time. He looks healthy. He appears healthy. And he is five shots off the lead at even par, as is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I have a bone to pick, though, with the USGA. Uh, what an absolute miss on their part by not pairing Brooks Kapka and Bryson DeChambeau together what is golf afraid of uh, you have a rivalry you have two guys that have gone public with the fact that, that they don't like one another and so what do you do, what should you do you should play off of that you should market that you should squeeze every bit of juice out of that that you can and what do they do They just sort of meekly, uh, we're going to put Brooke Koepka here, and we'll put Bryson DeChambeau here. They should have been a Thursday-Friday pairing, and that's a really poor miss. For a a sport that is going to need all of the marketing help it can get with Tiger Woods, what appears as if his career, it's done, it's come to an end, you need ways to build more uh, drama. You need ways to get more people watching. And Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, they have. This is not anything that is uh, that, that that is uh, in wrestling. They they call it a uh, a shoot. Uh, but this is not like a a fake thing. Like there's genuine dislike there. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? They're not gonna on the third tee box start throwing swings at one another. But uh, the fact that they have been openly saying that, hey, we just we just we we don't like one another and that's how it is those are competitors why wouldn't you put them together after the photo bombing and brooks kepka uh getting the last laugh at the memorial with Bryson D hearing the hey Brooksie, uh thrown at him and and kepka making a marketing deal with uh with Heineken out of that like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you take advantage of that? It's just a bad miss by the USGA. It's a bad miss by the PGA Tour. It's a bad miss for golf altogether. Uh, and so even with both guys at even par, they're not going to play together. Kepka's going to tee off at 2.56 Eastern time today. Deschambeau at 3.29 Eastern time today. You just, like, I, I need to see golf have a clue about how to market itself. Like, stop with this this dainty, uh, we're... we're Good men, uh, like clean sport type of stuff. Like when you have a sport where Patrick Reed is cheating all the time. When you have a sport where Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Koepka trash talking through the media, just lean into it. Just lean into it. Every sport needs villains. Every sport needs good guys. And you inherently have a Kepka and Deschambeau rivalry that someone's going to pick a side if they are a golf fan. Even the casual golf fan, they're seeing this trash talk like they're going to get into it. So lean into this make sure that you're taking advantage of this, and this was a big miss with Deshambo and Kepka because I'm not sure when that rivalry and when that trash talk is going to be uh, at a greater fever pitch than it was leading into the U.S. Open. Just a bad job overall by the USGA and the the PGA Tour. Colin Morikawa, 2020 PGA Champion. He is at even par. He is five shots off the lead, as is Justin Thomas, the Jupiter resident. So as you can see, you've got a lot of name recognition within five shots of the lead, and good to see Phil Mickelson make the cut at uh, at two over. Uh, Mickelson, who we didn't think had a great chance here at Torrey Pines, this course certainly does not fit what he does well, Uh, but we also said that about Kewa Island, and Phil Mickelson led three of the four days uh, going into the clubhouse and ended up winning the PGA Championship. Not sure he's going to win at what's basically his home course, Torrey Pines, uh, with this U.S. Open, but uh, he has played more than well enough to make the cut, comfortably made the cut, and it's always good to have Phil on the weekend, especially coming off of that uh, PGA Championship victory. So, There is a little bit of a look. We'll go through a more comprehensive breakdown of the U.S. Open leaderboard as we get on through Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. I'm Ken Levicka. When we come back, we will talk with Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com. Russell Henley, Richard Bland, how do they have the lead? What have they done well? Also, Matthew Wolf, what are his chances? John Rahm, is he the favorite going into the weekend? And will we see either Kepka or DeChambeau be in? The discussion for a victory at the U.S. Open tomorrow, Father's Day Sunday at the U.S. Open. We'll discuss all of those things and more next with Sean Farum of Global Golf Post, our golf insider. He comes up next. I'm Ken Lavića. Time to Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. Major additions are always the best Honda Classic lives, and we are in the midst of one U.S. Open Saturday. We are approaching it at Torrey Pines. I am Ken Levick and Joe Rigotti running things here on a Saturday morning. Let's not waste any time getting uh, into a full comprehensive breakdown of the opening two days and a look at what's to come on the weekend with our golf insider. Always good to talk to him. Sean Fairham, Global Golf Post, GlobalGolfPost.com. Read all of his work, one of the best feature writers in the game, and he joins us every Saturday here on Honda Classic live uh sean before we uh dig into this leaderboard here and uh what we've seen uh, the the first two days prime time golf i just love when uh, these majors are on the west coast with us here on the east coast because i i love the fact that it's 8 9 o'clock and we're watching uh prime time competitive golf there's just something about it when it's at torrey pines or anywhere on the west coast it just feels awesome
1: you read my mind i actually wrote something for global golf post this monday that's going to be exact about that exact topic uh, I, I love it. you have the entire day open for you you can go play golf you can go uh, fire up the grill you can you can do any number of things uh, if you're an nt state fan like me you got the college world series at yeah. two o'clock today before the uh, fi- the final group goes off in the u.s open uh also awesome stuff having a having a primetime uh, U.S. Open. It always seems to deliver, right? We've had Jordan at Chambers Bay. We've had Tiger at Torrey. We've had Morikawa at, at Harding Park. The, the West Coast Major just seemed to deliver on drama. I think we have another one coming here this weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Selfishly, we'll take it as residents of, uh, of the East Coast. So I want to ask you first and foremost about richard bland he is tied for the lead at five under and it just seems like he's one of those guys one of those european tour players that absolutely everybody loves he picked up his first win just a couple of weeks ago at age 48 at the british masters and here he is at the u.s open tied for the lead what is what is richard bland's story
1: it's a pretty remarkable one. I mean, he was 1,000-to-1 as, uh, as of Wednesday to win this golf tournament. So think about Phil being about 240-to-1 to win the PGA <laughs> Championship. Well, Richard Bland is a, uh, a true unknown to a lot of people. You know, he, he's a 48-year-old Englishman, and he, as you mentioned, he won the British Masters, and uh, that was his first European tour win in 478 starts. That, it takes a very long time to, uh, to accumulate 478 stars. It's really just a, a remarkable story. Uh, there was a great social media moment right after the round where uh, he, was, he, he had his, uh, his family on Zoom, and uh, they were both crying. And he asked his mom, are you okay? And she said, no, I've waited a long time for <laughs> this. And it was just a, a tremendous moment. Uh, but you know what? He, he doesn't even have a hat sponsor. He, he's wearing a, a swan, which is a logo of his local club, back in, uh, back in, uh, in England on his, uh, on his hat, does not have Titleist or Callaway or or anything of the like on his hat. Um, just a, a, a tremendous story. You know, it, it, it may be bound to fade. He, he has not missed a putt inside 10 feet this week. He's 31 of 31, which usually indicates that someone is going to regress down the leaderboard when they've had that much luck with putting. Uh, but it's a, a fantastic story, and uh, I, I hope it lasts as long as possible throughout the weekend.
0: And so uh, the story for Richard Bland this weekend, it, it seems like, is the putting, uh, and, and that's what's put him at the the top of the leaderboard. Is is that a pretty accurate assessment of his first two days?
1: Yeah, he's not very long off the tee, uh, but he's driven the ball really well for, for, how, uh, for how short he is. He's been pretty accurate, and uh, I think in terms of putting, you know, he just hasn't really missed anything inside that, that makeable di- di- distance that you would expect to make putts. And uh, at, at the moment, he's just been, uh, he's been really pure on the greens. Uh, the, to, to be 31 of 31 on POA, uh, a, a surface that is just usually so bumpy, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a huge accomplishment, but one that's probably not likely to last. He's probably going to have to take a couple of punches if he's, if he's willing to uh, stay in contention in the golf tournament, and there are a, a lot of guys right behind him who are uh, who are probably going to make a move here. Some guys at even, some guys at, at three under. Uh, there are a lot of guys, kind of uh, big superstar players right behind him, which he mentioned in his press conference. So he's going to have to really kind of keep it together emotionally if he really wants to have a chance to, uh, to pull off the impossible.
0: Before we dig into some of those big names, because you're right, they are all bunched and lurking here as we go into the weekend as we talk with Sean Fairhope of Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com, our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. Let's focus on the other co-leader, Russell Henley. He has never had a top 10 finish in a major in his entire career. Uh, And here he is going into the weekend uh, on top of the U.S. Open leaderboard. What are Russell Henley's chances, and why is he here right now? Why has he put himself in this position the first two days?
1: His chances are much, much better than Bland's, I would say. Uh, A lot of people are kind of grouping them together, and I don't think that's totally fair because Russell Henley, of course, the former Honda Classic champion, and he's he's only he's only thirty-two years old, and you know, this is a guy who was a he was a great player coming out of college. He, He won the Haskins Award out of Georgia. Uh, which is kind of the, the Heisman Trophy of, of college golf, if you will, won a Corn Ferry Tour event as an amateur, uh, won his very first PGA Tour start uh, at the Sony Open. Uh, you know he, he's, he's been a great player for a really long time, and he has those three PGA Tour wins. He knows what it's like to win. Uh, the last one came in 2017, so it's been a little while since he's won. But uh, I really like his game a lot. He's a fantastic putter, which is a huge, huge variable in the, in the U S open. I think he's going to stay around for, uh, for much of the weekend. Uh, I think he's a really strong player. If I'm giving uh, the odds right now in terms of bland versus Henley, I think Henley is probably the, the one that's far more likely to, uh, to stick around near the top of the leaderboard. I think he's a, uh, he, he he deserves more respect. I know you mentioned no top tens in the major championship. That's definitely that's definitely something that's worth worth uh, you know discussion. But uh, he still made 17 million dollars in the PGA Tour. Yeah. He's a really good player. He's uh, I think he's he's going to he's going to stick around. Uh, you know I, I don't expect him to just shoot 78 today and fade away completely. I think he's going to really put up a fight uh, as he normally does.
0: Well, this is going to be the um, traditional John Rahm major discussion that we're about to have, and here he is coming off of the COVID disaster at the Memorial. Uh, he was able to get in a full week of preparation uh, at Tory Pines because of uh, negative testing, and so uh, it has paid off, and this is a place where you said he was going to play well. This was a major where you said he was going to play well, and sure enough, even though he's two shots off the lead, um, I think that in and of itself makes him the favorite going into the weekend. What do you think about John Rom right now?
1: I think he's got it exactly where he wants it. I mean, he's he's two shots back. Uh, a very a very valuable note I think is that. 23 of the last 25 U.S. Open champions have been within two strokes of the lead through 36 holes. So looking at a lot of these guys at even, like Bryson, Brooks, JT, Morikawa, right now the stats would suggest they're, they're in a huge hole being five shots back. So I think Rahm is really in a great place being two strokes back of the lead. Uh, I, I, I watched every single shot of his round yesterday. Didn't really feel like he played all that well, which is always dangerous when you, when you get into a U.S. Open. You, you're bound to kind of struggle through one round. And the fact that he shot 70 in a round where it didn't really feel like he, he played all that well. Um, he, he was he was missing uh, a, a lot of fairways. Uh, had, had some really key par saves early on the back nine yesterday that kind of kept him in the golf tournament. Pulled a bunker shot on 14 that kind of got him back in it and made a really, really important putt. On the, on the 18th hole for Birdie to get in at 3-under. So I think he has to be feeling really confident the fact that he didn't even really play particularly well yesterday and uh, was able to uh, to move forward. And another guy in that category, Louis Eustazen, had a miserable uh, day yesterday with, with his wedge play uh, and still scratched out a 71 to stay at 4-under. I think both of those guys are thinking it's not going to get much worse in terms of yeah. how they hit the ball today, and and they're bound to uh, to hit the ball a lot better, and just have a have a bounce back round today, and uh, probably be feeling a lot better about their games coming into
0: today. Louis Ustazen is truly incredible when it comes to majors. Like I just I just expect every single major uh, that you and I are going to talk on Saturday and his name is going to come up for positive reasons. I, I know that we talk about Brooks Kepka caring about the majors and he said it. Like I I'm, I'm in it for the majors. Tiger Woods is in it for the majors. Like Louis Ustazen, his best call golf is always coming at the majors, he doesn't win them, but he is always there. He really is a fascinating guy. Yeah,
1: you know, um, Louis Louis is interesting because, of course, he has that one major eleven years ago at the Open Championship, but he really just has not won at all in his career. You know, he has no wins on U.S. soil, you know, essentially, <laughs> uh, and he just kind of hung around at majors throughout his entire career. It seems like every single major, like you said, he's Finding a way to be in contention but not winning them. Uh, and, and even some PGA tour events when he gets in contention, like even the, the team event in New Orleans earlier this year, he got in contention, got into a playoff, and then made a bad swing in the playoff. Uh, it just seems like he's, he's always around. But, uh, you, know, you know, listening to him talk, uh, you know, there's always been kind of questions around his, his, uh, his fire, his determination, whether he really cares that much it kind of a lot of times when he's going around the course it kind of seems like he's just kind of you know taking it all in and he, he's just kind of there for for the ride and he's, he's kind of an even keel guy but listening to him talk this week it seems like there's maybe a little bit more fire than usual he's he's really kind of determined to uh to find that second major he's, he's he's 38 years old so he's kind of getting to that age where he doesn't know how many more of these opportunities he's going to get even if even if it looks like he's he's always in the mix, uh, you know you, you just never know. Once you get to that age, there could be injury, there could be any number of things. And uh, man, Ken, for, for my money, he has the the most enjoyable golf swing to watch on in <laughs> professional golf. I, I could sit there and watch the entire day. It's just incredibly smooth and so confident, and it does not look like he has any pressure when, whenever he's swinging. Uh, the other guy, other guys, just seem like they're uh, they're under a lot more pressure when they're. They're trying to make decisions, and it seems like the game just comes so simple to him, and it's uh, one of the great mysteries of our of our time in golf why he has he has not won more golf tournaments it really is just kind of it, it fascinates me <laughs>
0: yeah it is it, it is completely bizarre because he's got the game for it and he's always in the discussion Sean Fairholm Global Golf post global com. he's our golf insider here on Honda Classic live and uh, I, I I opened the show in part talking about Matthew Wolf and how important it was for him to discuss what he's been going through and, and you and I I sat here for weeks, and uh, multiple times I asked you, what is going on with Matthew Wolf? He has fallen off the face of the earth. He is missing cuts left and right. Uh, he is not competitive, I believe. like The low point was when he was paired with Colin Marikawa in New Orleans, and they just flamed out of that tournament. That was a disaster, and it was largely Matthew Wolf's doing, and he owned up to it and said, I'm going through some things mentally. Uh, I... Did not have a passion for the game. I woke up not loving golf and I needed to step away. And he did so for about a month and has come back and it has paid dividends. He's one shot off the lead at the U.S. Open. I think Matthew Wolf ends up being the most important person of the first two days of the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that, and uh, to add on to that, I I love Bubba Watson's interview talking about his discussion with Wolf. and I think mental health has really been kind of uh, one of the themes, uh, kind of surprisingly, of of the first two days of the U.S. Open. I think Matthew Wolf has been really kind of outspoken about how he's felt. Uh, He's felt very alone, uh, especially during the COVID era of being on the PGA Tour, where this is a guy who is uh, still supposed to be in college. He's 22 years old, and He's very social. He he likes you know being around people. It's, it's something he really values, and he's been spending a lot of time in his hotel room watching Netflix and not being around people because of the COVID protocols. And uh, I, I think he's at a place right now where he kind of is. Uh, he, he's learning. He's growing up. Uh, you know, if you would have told people after the U.S. Open last year when he finished second that he would not be a factor pretty much in any other golf tournament for for the next eight or nine months, I think people would have. You know, thought you're crazy because he he's showing these first two rounds. His talent is is, is enormous. He, he he's a, a force off the tee. You know, he made eight birdies in this first round uh, and still only shot seventy. But he he has such incredible talent, and there's no reason talent wise why he shouldn't be a top ten player in the world. Uh, it's just the emotional. Piece and the the mental piece that he's he's learning and i think this is a really cathartic week for him hopefully that he's talking about it he's going in front of media and he's kind of explaining exactly what's going on through his mind he even said the first two rounds that he, he, he still had trouble getting out of bed because he th- there's that fear of hitting a bad shot and what do people think about me and i think it's just re- it's a really important conversation for uh for everyone to have around professional golf because I, I know these guys play for a lot of money and they play for a lot of prestige but at the at the same time they're they're humans and they spend a lot of time alone and professional golf is not all fun it's it's a lot of practice rounds and pro-ams and uh, a lot of time being by yourself and uh, you know for someone who's that young it, it's difficult to handle that that sometimes
0: uh i i i want to ask you about the uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Koepka, uh, uh, you and I were both on the same page where we thought that hey, pair them together, be great for golf. And I just think that it, it was such a bad miss not pairing them up, not leaning in, as you put it, into this rivalry that they have, which once again has had another bullet point here uh, with Deshambo's video bombing of Kepka after the first round. Like, what what are they afraid of here? Like, why why won't golf fully embrace this rivalry? It's a great
1: question. I think uh, maybe one factor was what happened at the PGA Championship on the last poll where, where security, you know, clearly did not handle that gallery situation very well. And I know it's still limited crowds, at the U.S. Open, but, you know, maybe one of the concerns was whether security would be able to handle, you know, a, a huge gallery like that. Um, I'm not sure. I, I do think one thing that can be changed in golf, uh, especially for Saturday rounds is, you know, Brooks and Bryson both, both finished at even, you know, through two rounds of the U S open. Why not, why not pair yeah. them together yep. for, for this round for, for, I mean, there, there's no competitive advantage for right. now, now on Sunday, I think, you know, it makes sense that the, you know, the, the player who, who finishes first uh, and it has the better score, you know, is the one who tees off later on Sunday. I think that makes all of sense in the world. Cause that's a, a big advantage to, to go off uh, later, but, uh, you know they, they both finished that even pair them together you know no, no, I don't think anybody uh anybody cares that much about uh it, you know the the integrity of the competition at that level because you're not you're not changing it at all so uh, I, I don't know it's uh, they they clearly went the conservative route I, I don't think the pga tour is going to pair them together unless they they uh are are paired together just out of uh, you know out of the normal system on on the third or fourth <laughs> rounds but uh, to me, it's a miss. I just think they they really should have gone into this a lot harder. And uh, and now it I don't know. It seems like it's dying down a little bit. And but you know you never know. We're, we're gonna have to see the next photo bomb or the next next <laughs> verbal you know sparring that that goes that goes on. I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere right around the corner. But for right now, it seems like. A little bit of cold water has been thrown over it.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Do at, at even par? What are the chances of uh, being able to come back and possibly win this golf tournament? The guys at even par because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of uh, of big names in that realm, uh, including Deshambo and Kepka. Do you think they have enough to overcome the five shot deficit going into the weekend?
1: Yeah, for for if it was eighteen holes, that'd be a lot. But thirty-six holes, absolutely, absolutely, they can. I think you you have to figure that one of those guys will play really well over uh, on, on on Saturday. You have to, you have to figure that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, of of those guys, it seems like uh, it seems like Morikawa is kind of the guy who's playing the best golf right now. It seems like Brooks is kind of kind of taping it together with uh with, with his with his putter uh he only hit five of 14 fairways on on friday and it kind of seemed like he wasn't hitting the ball very well off the tee and that's a recipe for disaster in the u.s open but i think they do have enough time uh they don't have to shoot a 65 today i think if they get anything in the 60s uh you know even just get two or three under that that could be enough to, to be within shouting distance of the lead and get themselves a little bit closer so that's probably the goal Today and, and I think for those guys who are leading, Bland and Henley, uh, just a seventy-one today would be would be more than enough. I mean, they, they'd be thrilled with, uh, with with shooting even par and just getting into the final round at five under. So uh, a lot of a lot of goals. Saturdays Saturdays are always about you know goal setting and about trying to just get within shouting distance and position yourself for for Sunday. And uh, I, I mean, every, everybody just wants to stay in the golf tournament for Sunday because U.S. Opens are can be can be bizarre you know you, you yeah. never really know where where someone runs into a double or a triple uh you just have to keep yourself in it and stay patient because uh a collapse is, is right around the corner for everyone so you have to be able to, to put yourself in, in the golf tournament and don't don't make any careless mistakes
0: what in the world happened to tony finau because he not only missed the cut he missed it convincingly what what happened to him yeah that's
1: it, it's a great question i mean if you look at the last 13 majors, he's finished in the top 10 and nine of them. So you would have thought that, that would have been a pretty safe bet that he would be in the mix, especially on this golf course where, you know, he's been in the top 10 uh, at the farmer's insurance open pretty much every year. He's teed it up and he's been, he was, you know, T2 this past January. So you think this is a great place for him, but uh, just what was off from the very beginning, uh, he hasn't really played that well since the, since the winter. I think we're, we're kind of in a mode right now where uh, you know he had a, a few chances to win uh, throughout the winter. He had a great chance at, at the Amex, had a great chance at, at Riviera where he lost in the playoffs to Maxoma, and maybe going through a little bit of a lull right now where he's been playing really consistent golf for a long time. And now we've seen some missed cuts for, from him. We've seen him not play very well in some big events. Uh, I would say that, that that's kind of golf, right? That's uh, yeah. he, he was so consistent for so long and uh and now we're we're kind of seeing him maybe say a couple of steps back i'm sure he'll get back to that point where he was very consistent because he's a great player but we we had a few big guys miss the cut uh it wasn't it wasn't just him victor hovland i thought for sure was going to be uh amongst the amongst the top 10 players uh you know going into the weekend and just did not have it had some sand fly up into his eye and had to withdraw and Uh, you know it just uh, I know we talked about this last weekend but there always seem to be a few really big names who who just can't uh figure it out at a a U.S. Open because you really have to be able to manage your game so well and there's just not there's just not as much margin for error at a U.S. Open so uh so that it's bound to happen a couple of guys miss but it's pretty surprising to see those two guys miss in particular.
0: I was looking at some of the uh, the core stats last night and we're talking with Sean Fairholm, Global Golf Post, GlobalGolfPost.com. Read all of his work. Uh, just outstanding features uh, at uh, at GlobalGolfPost.com. But uh, looking at, at number 11, the par 3, and that has just been a horror show uh, throughout the first two days. 116 bogeys, 15 doubles. I mean, it has been extremely difficult. Why is 11 been played so tough over the first two days at Tory Pines
1: you know it's a downhill par three and uh, whenever you have a downhill par three with wind uh, particularly if it's back into you as it has been the first couple of days that really is a, a recipe for disaster because the, the ball has to stay in the air for so much longer and it's, it's so much more difficult to control uh, it, and you know that hole. Basically, you have a green that's right in between two bunkers, and uh, the, the hole was over on the left yesterday. And if you if you miss left at all, as uh, Phil Nicholson did, as Tyrell Haddon did, uh, you're just you have to pull off a miracle shot just to get it within 20 feet. And uh, and Phil, even with his short game prowess, he, he couldn't even get it within 20 feet. So there are just some places out there where you you cannot miss you if you go there you're just not getting the ball close on on your on your next shot and uh the 11 is just a it's a great example of what Torrey pines is you you just you're uh, you're really just forced to play conservatively to about 20 feet and if you miss on the wrong side you're going to be in a, a world of hurt and there's just not much room to miss there with and with the ball being in the air for that long uh guys are having some some real fits on, on 11 and then they have to go to 12, which is also a brute. So that two hole stretch is is no fun for, for anybody.
0: No, no, definitely not. And it, I, uh, I is is Torrey Pines playing pretty much like you you thought it would? Like there is some scoring available, but for the most part, it's it's been a, a bit of a slog for for these players. Just really, really tricky to to take advantage of positions that they're in. Has this played pretty similarly to how you thought it was going to?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there are birdies out there. We, we mentioned Matt Wolf made eight birdies in his first round, and Richard Bland made seven birdies in the second round. So the, there is a low number out there, you would think. Uh, there's going to be a guy who goes through and maybe shoots 65. I think that that's probably out there. But it's just such a difficult golf course. Uh, it's just so many long par fours. There's only one par four under 400 yards. I mean, it's just a, a, a really – long and and sometimes boring golf course it really is i mean there there's just uh there are a lot of par fours that are thick rough and bunkers on both sides and it's a bit a bit of an execution test where you have to hit the fairway and uh the the rough is is kind of it's it's not thick all the way around there are there are some guys who are drawing pretty decent lies and then you get into other rough where you're almost pitching out sideways because it's it's so thick and uh it's pretty inconsistent which I, i i don't really mind that at all but the the course is just uh it's a lot of long par fours even the par fives 13 is pretty hard i mean i've seen how many players have we seen bogey 13 this week it's uh it's just been a uh, a difficult course uh, and i i have a hard time thinking we're gonna get to double digits i think we're probably gonna only get to maybe eight or nine under for for this winter um but it's it's not playing really super different from the PGA Tour event, which is a little bit disappointing. I was hoping that it would be a lot different than what we see in January, but uh, the scoring average is is you know not too dissimilar, and uh, we're we're seeing uh, probably a, a winning score that's going to be not too dissimilar as well. So uh, it's it's going to be uh, you know maybe. Maybe not the most exciting U.S. Open from the course perspective, but hopefully we get some drama in terms of of the results. And with this packed leaderboard, I think that that could definitely be a possibility.
0: Is this too quick a turnaround from PGA Championship to U.S. Open? Uh, how do you feel about the fact that we're? I mean, we're we're less than a handful of weeks removed from the PGA Championship, one major to another. How does that sit with you? I'm. I'm- I think we might have lost Sean Fairhome. Uh, we'll try and get him back in a moment here. Sean Fairhome, Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com. He's our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. Uh, and uh, I, I just, I, I know that there's a lot going on, whether it is the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, you've got the Euro soccer tournament now. Uh, it just seems like it's it lost a little bit of lead up uh, that it typically would have as the second major now it being the third major behind the PGA championship um, and again this is just me trying to look at it from a a casual fan standpoint there's just not the not the the, the type of uh, of expectation and ex- and and, and uh, excitement that you typically would have in a normal year well w- what used to be? A normal year um so uh, and we've got sean Fairholm back uh so so it 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 sounded like sean before before we lost you you you're you're good with the with the quick turnaround you think it's a it's okay to uh basically go three three and a half weeks between uh, pga championship and uh and u.s open you're good with that I think there's enough time. I mean, they have,
1: they have the Memorial in between, which is a, uh, a pretty high-profile event, which most of the guys play. But, uh, you know, I think maybe my bigger issue is just with the, uh, the spacing overall of all four majors. I think it would be – I kind of liked when it went from the Masters to the U.S. Open yeah. and we didn't have anything in May. Yeah. Because it seemed like there was, there was more of a run-up to it. And we had really kind of the, the whole summer. You know, we didn't, we didn't finish until August. And, uh, and right now it's really it's april through july and that's a very condensed you know th- three or four month period where we're we're trying to get all of these big events in uh, i think i think golf is, is probably a little bit more balanced when you have you know four majors over over a, a little bit longer time span um, and then there's not as long of a wait until Augusta, which selfishly I think everybody likes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. And I think you and I are on the same page with with that, where uh, the, the majors, the, the longer the run-up, yeah, it's it's tough, but it also brings a little bit more hype to the whole thing. And a major is a major. For you and I, obviously, we're into it, but the casual fan, I just wonder if it loses a little bit, but I don't think that's changing uh, anytime soon. Let's finish with this, Sean. Um so as we go into the weekend, I know we mentioned John Rahm's name. Uh, you've got you've got Bland and Henley at the top of the leaderboard. You've got Matthew Wolf right there. Um, uh, you've got Kepka and DeChambeau, uh five shots back. But I just feel like this is so primed for John Rahm. Who do you think comes out with this on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I think if you look at the odds right now, Rahm is four to one. Uh, he's he's kind of a clear betting favorite at this point. Um, I, I really think though, uh, Xander will have something to say about okay. this golf tournament. You know, he's, he's sitting there at, at three shots back. Uh, this is his hometown. He's, he's a San Diego kid. Went to San Diego State. I think he he really wants this one badly. I think he's going to be in the mix, uh, but hard to to go away from John Rahm. I think he. The, all the signs just point to him finally winning a uh, winning a major championship on this golf course, which he's had so much success in the past. He loves this place. It's uh, difficult to to not take him at this point. Um, but I do think we're going to have an exciting weekend. I think we'll have Xander kind of jump up into the mix. I think Matthew Wolf will be a part of the mix, and uh, I think one of those guys at even will kind of get into the mix. So I think we, we should have a few big names kind of kind of uh, you know fighting for the title on Sunday.
0: Sean thank you so much really appreciate it enjoy the rest of the U.S. Open we'll talk next week and uh, we'll talk about a uh, another major champion but thanks for hanging out with us as always all right thanks for having me Sean Fairham, Global Golf Post, GlobalGolfPost.com. Our golf insider here on Honda Classic Live. We'll give you the full breakdown of the U.S. Open leaderboard, including the locals that reside in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast when we return. I'm Ken Levick. It's Honda Classic Live, a U.S. Open edition on ESPN 106.3. Thanks to Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post for joining us, and it's always that much more significant when it happens on a major Saturday here on Honda Classic Live. U.S. Open. Uh, let's go ahead and check out the leaderboard. The names of note and the locals, Russell Henley, Richard Bland at 500 par. Bland, 48 year old Englishman who just had his first career victory on the European Tour two weeks ago. He is tied for the lead with the 32 year old Henley. Matthew Wolf, the Jupiter one shot back at 4-under, as is the Treasure Coast resident, Louis Oosthuizen. So both of them at 4-under par. John Rahm is two shots back at 3-under with Bubble Watson. Sanders Shoffley, uh, who Sean Fairholm mentioned, is going to have a say in this before all is said and done. He's three shots off the pace at 2-under along with Kevin Strillman. The Jupiter resident, Cardinal Newman, Grad Brooks, Kepka, five shots back, even par, as is Bryson DeChambeau. Brendan Grace is in that even par lump as well. Colin Morikawa, Jupiter resident, Justin Thomas. So there are a bunch of names at even par that this is make or break here today. The Jupiter resident, Dwyer, Grad Daniel Berger is at one over, six shots off the lead. Uh, You've also got Charlie Hoffman at one over as well. Lee Westwood sits in a one-over grouping Phil Mickelson, the PGA Championship winner. He is at two over. He makes the cut. Does it comfortably by the way. Uh, So he's still technically in the mix, but I don't think we're going to be seeing Phil Mickelson in the discussion to be hoisting any trophies here uh, when things wrap up tomorrow. Jupiter resident uh, Dustin Johnson, the world number one. He is at two over. It's going to be a long shot for him to make a push and get himself in position to win. Making the cut is Del Rey resident and former PGA champion Gary Woodland. He is at three over par. That puts him eight shots off the lead. Patrick Cantlay is at three over, as is Sergio Garcia, Charles Schwartzel as well, and Stewart Sink. Uh, Shane Lowry at four over par. Jordan Spieth at four over par, just edging himself into the weekend and making the cut. We mentioned Tony Finau. He might be the most notable name to miss the cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, Zach Johnson also missing the cut. At the U.S. Open, Will Zalatoris, after uh, becoming really sort of the uh, the the poster boy, the golden child of the Masters, uh, and he had a good weekend at the PGA Championship, he really struggled. Seventy-five Thursday, seventy-four Friday. Will Zalatoris does not make the cut, nor does Max Homa as well. Uh, Final, by the way, 74-76, and 76, so he really did not have much of a chance. Uh, Kevin Na misses the cut, as does Webb Simpson. Henrik Stenson misses the cut as well. And then Victor Hovland uh, withdraws from the tournament after he got sand in his eye from a bunker he said it irritated his eye he was not going to be able to play on and so Victor Hovland has to withdraw from the U.S. Open under the most bizarre of circumstances but here's the main idea Russell Henley Richard Bland five under Matthew Wolf, four under John Rahm two shots back at three under par those are your big names those are your big headlines as we go into the weekend and we're about to get play back underway at Tory Pines. We'll come back one final segment to go and we'll give you a preview of the weekend when we return. Joe Rigotti running things on a Saturday. I'm Ken Levick, Honda Classic Live, ESPN 106.3. Final a couple of minutes of a U.S. Open Honda Classic Live. And, again, this is the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast. We appreciate you being with us every Saturday morning here on ESPN 106.3. I'm Ken Lavica. Uh, hey, Edwin Watts with Father's Day tomorrow. It's time to tee it up at Edwin Watts Golf Shops with these hot items for dads and grads featuring the new Callaway Epic Woods and Apex Irons with artificial intelligence for faster ball speeds. And don't miss these hot gifts from Bushnell like the Tor V5 or the Tor v 5 with pin seeker technology or the wingman with bluetooth and audible gps for distance swing by edwin watts golf shops and get custom fit today edwin watts golf shops home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee shop them online WorldwideGolfShops.com. WorldwideGolfShops.com. That's Edwin Watts Golf. John Rahm is the betting favorite heading into round three of the U.S. Open plus 380 according to FanDuel followed by Xander Schauffele at plus 600, Louis Ustays in plus 700, then Matthew Wolf, Russell Henley, Brooks Kepka, Bryson D. Bubba Watson, and Colin Morikawa at plus 2000. So FanDuel says, John Rahm. John Rahm, the betting favorite, and I think that's pretty accurate. A guy with his ability, a guy who is playing at the top of his game. Two weeks ago, let's be honest, he would have won the Memorial and would have done so going away uh, if not for the positive COVID test. He should be the man who is left standing at Tory Pines at the U.S. Open if uh, we are looking at realities and we are looking at expectation. Now we know, and Sean Fairholm said it, uh, Tory Pines – Weird things happen. Weird things happen at the U.S. Open. Maybe John Rahm suffers a collapse. But John Rahm, going into the weekend, you have got to think is the man who is most likely uh, to be celebrating a championship, a major win, the first of his career on Sunday, just because of his game and because of uh, how he's playing right now. It's the right person. At the right time, and unless something shocking happens, you would think John Rom is going to be the U.S. Open champion. I want to thank Sean Fair, home of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com and check out his upcoming story on the joys of prime time golf on the East Coast and we're going to enjoy that uh, here tonight and tomorrow. Uh, I want to thank Joe Rigotti making sure things ran smoothly on this Saturday and doing great work. Superb work as always and for all of you fathers out there, have a great Father's Day. Enjoy your Sunday. Make the most of it and uh, carve about some time late night Sunday night to watch the conclusion of the U.S. Open. So for Sean Fairhome and Joe Brigatti, I'm Ken Levicka. This has been Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. Have a great weekend, everybody.